This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Mount Park. Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Hello and welcome to Savor, production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about cornbread. Yes, and this is a food where my Southern card gets questioned a lot, Lauren. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Because a lot of people have really strong opinions about it and what it is. Yes, and what it is not. There are yes. such strong opinions. I didn't realize this until like a few years ago. Yeah, and and the terminology around it too. Because yeah. I, a lot of my friends are very southern, and they they'll just be like, "Wait, you cook it in not a cast iron <laughs> skillet? That's not cornbread." <laughs> What? <laughs> um, yeah, and we're talking about it because as this comes out, it is New Year's, which I cannot believe. Oh, I know, but, right? When did that yeah. happen? When did it's still March, right? What what's going on? It's either March or like September. It's 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 you know depending on the day or it or it's like twenty fifty five, and yeah. I, I can't tell. Oh my gosh! What if we like left our apartments? And it was like the future. The future we were promised would happen in 1980 or whatever. With like with this. like floating skateboards and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's how you know you're in the future. <laughs> Nothing else. <laughs> well, we'll see. I guess. Um, oh. Yeah. Well, wh- whatever year it is, happy new year. <laughs> Supposedly it's 2021, but who knows? Um 
And here in the South, cornbread is a part of the traditional good luck Southern meal, which we've talked about before in past episodes. Um, And then cornbread represents coins and gold. And the other things are some type of pork product, um, collard or turnip greens or greens, and black-eyed peas, which I make every year. But I don't make the cornbread, actually. And I, I really don't have cornbread very often. The only time I have it generally is in the cornbread stuffing for Thanksgiving and Christmas that I make, which I actually just had for lunch. Leftovers. Ooh. Oh, heck. Mm-hmm. I Okay. Cornbread stuffing isn't a thing that I knew existed until I moved to Atlanta. Uh, I still don't oh. think I've ever had it. Um, oh! <laughs> Outrage. In in my family, <laughs> stuffing was always made with like white wheat flour bread. Um and that's yeah. I'm just like, really? You can put cornbread in a stuffing? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I feel the opposite way, but now that you mention it, that makes sense too. <laughs> Make it that way. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Both both make perfect sense. Um cornbread is a thing that I started I, I had growing up. A sweet yellow cornbread. And um, it's something that I still get pretty nostalgic for. And uh, my dad made a lot of Jiffy. My dad was a big, big proponent <laughs> of Jiffy, uh, Jiffy boxes to um to serve specifically with chili. That was mm. that was his like special, I'm making chili and a box yes. of Jiffy cornbread kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um and uh and then on like like with the leftovers, we would have um chili mac. So, Ooh, yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Oh, gosh, it is. And that's still that's still kind of what I want to do when I have chili. But um, uh, so cornbread is something that I don't think I had made from scratch. Maybe I'd made it like one other time before, but I've made it at least twice during quarantine. Um, oh, because I was just like, I need comfort food. <laughs> Um, well, you've got me beat there. I've never made it from scratch. Oh, Only wow. the boxes. Wow. You can judge me. Oh. I don't care. <laughs> I already get it from my southern friends. Oh, it's heck. Okay. Uh it's mm-hmm. pretty easy. It's pretty easy to make. Um uh but but yeah, the looking up recipes was kind of I think the first time that I realized how deep the the rabbit hole of opinions goes. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's a it's a deep one. It it's I mm. didn't I didn't know I didn't know rabbits could dig that deep. It's <laughs> it's a lot. Well, you know, one time, well, only one time, yes, my rabbit Amber, she burrowed out into the night, and we, oh. we couldn't, the hole went so deep, we don't know what happened to her. But I oh my hope gosh. she made it somewhere. Wow. <laughs> Amber's out there to this day, <laughs> living the wildlife. <laughs> yeah. Wow, you have really bad luck with pets. I absolutely do. I absolutely do. <laughs> but moving on from that, you know, my dad, uh, he really likes like the the classic Southern foods. That was his thing, mm-hmm. and he would he would get like um, collard greens in a cup and crumple up. Uh, cornbread in Ooh, there, and he loved uh-huh. that. And then he would put cornbread in uh, buttermilk. Oh, sometimes. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was thinking about this, and didn't we have 
like a lacy cornbread when we were in Alabama? Yeah, yeah, that one. Oh, gosh. Now I'm, and I didn't look it up, uh, and now I'm not going to be able to pull the name out of my head, but there was this one lovely uh, restaurant that we went to, possibly in South Georgia rather than Alabama. Oh, um, yeah. But yeah, like, like, a, like a real good, like, like Southern buffet like like meat and three kind of kind of place um and uh and yeah one of the breads that they had was um what's called a hot water cornbread or yeah like lacy cornbread and um it's it's like real real thin like almost like a like a like a cracker size and and chewy and crispy and fatty and so good oh man yeah, I think I think many in our group went up for multiple hours yeah. of the lacy Yeah, because and I don't think any of us like 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 Andrew is from you know the Northeast and he was mm-hmm. like, "What is this magic?" And we were like, "We don't know either." <laughs> and so yeah, like it was just amazement all around. Yes, yes, it was very delicious. But okay, let's get to our question. Yes, yes, cornbread. What is it? Well, uh, cornbread is a type of bread made from cornmeal. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What else goes into it uh, depends on what textures and flavors you're you're working with in your cornmeal and what you're going for in your finished product. And uh, and yeah, t- today we're we're talking mostly about types of cornbread that are baked using like a thick batter in a in a dish or a pan so that they bake up slightly raised. Um, and uh, anywhere uh, from crumbly to tender and savory to sweet. Though there are a lot of other things that you can do with cornmeal batters. Uh, you can make uh, flatbreads of various kinds, including that lacy cornbread we had, or um, johnny cakes or hoe cakes. You can deep fry it into hush puppies. You can cook it up into like a, like a pudding, like a spoon bread. Use it as the topping of a casserole, which I found a lot of recipes for, and now I really want to do. Mm-hmm. Oof. Oof, that sounds yeah. good. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, cornmeal. Uh, so... Perhaps, obviously, um, if you're making a bread out of any kind of grain, um, the qualities of that grain matter, you know, from the amounts and types of protein and carbohydrate that grow in the grain um, to to whether it's harvested, fully ripened, and thus more sugary, to whether it's processed whole or with some bits removed, to how finely and evenly it's ground. Cornmeal made from white corn um, tends to be a bit naturally sweeter with a deeper corn flavor and a little bit more coarsely and unevenly ground, um, often still by stone mill. Um, Maybe it's a little bit fresher and like stickier, kind of like self-fluffing, yeah. Um, And it tends to be more expensive because it is an artisan product. Um, But you can make a good cornbread from it um, without adding too much flour or any sugar at all. Oh, the sugar debate. The sugar debate. Oh, we're getting into it. We're going to get into it. Um, uh, Yellow cornmeal, on the other hand, tends to be a bit more bland, a bit more finely and evenly ground, usually by machine, a little bit drier and more shelf-stable. It's cheaper because it's um, easier to industrialize, but you'll probably want to add more flour and sugar to it to get a tasty cornbread out of it. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. 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 Of course, the, the the price issue depends heavily on where you are and what you know can grow in your backyard, um, right. which is another thing that we will get into. But at any rate, yes. Um. So so that's one of those two cornmeals is going to be the basis of your bread. Um. 
and other ingredients. And yes, some of these are controversial. I can <laughs> hear some of you gearing up. Yeah, the email's already composed. Like it's already ready to go. <laughs> no matter what you say. <laughs> I, yet again, I am only reporting the facts here, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so, um, you can indeed add wheat flour to a cornbread, um, up to equal parts with the cornmeal, and that will make it fluffier. You can technically make cornbreads with, uh, with just, like, cornmeal and water, but if you add fat, that'll add some tenderness and some flavor. Um, it's generally added to the batter in liquid form, though, so it's not going to provide any lift the way that, like, creaming butter into a recipe would add lift. Uh, butter, uh, lard, bacon fat, or a combination are common, although you can use um, olive oil or other plant oils. Eggs in there will provide lift and also tenderness. Um, you'd add fewer for a more crumbly bread and more for a cakier bread. Um, depending on how much lift you want, you can add varying amounts of uh, baking powder and baking soda. Adding buttermilk will provide a, a depth of flavor to the finished bread, um, and, and the acid in that buttermilk will activate the baking soda to help lift the bread if you're using baking soda. Also gets a little bit more fat in there, a little bit more tenderness. Some folks add sour cream too for similar purposes. Um, adding a bit of sugar can um, make up for the lack of flavor in some yellow corn meals, or you can add like a bunch more than that um, for a sweeter bread. Um, more sugar also does create a little bit more tenderness. You can put add-ins in there. Um, this is not a thing that my family does, and I still don't really understand it. But um, but uh, <laughs> but it sounds delicious. Like you can add in a whole uh, kernels of corn. You can add in creamed corn, um, all kinds of cheeses, uh, chopped chilies, whatever you want. Yeah, bacon. I feel like jalapeno, jalapeno cheese cornbread is pretty popular around in barbecue places around these. Certainly, these yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna say mm. no to it. Oh, well, I love it. Yeah, sure. I, I wish I'd taken a picture of what I had for lunch. She would have gotten a kick out of it. But it was like five different <laughs> hot sauces <laughs> that I was sampling. <laughs> it was just a plate and I was dipping things into the hot sauce. This is not my surprised face at all. <laughs> <laughs> it was delicious. Uh, did you get a bunch of hot sauces for like the holidays? I did. I got at least six. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is glorious. From like yes. different humans, different humans all got you hot. That's great. That's really mm -hmm. cool. <laughs> they know me. They do. They do. Oh, geez. Um, and then, uh, then I would say the final ingredient um, is what you already brought up, Annie. Um, that 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 pan that you use. Um, <laughs> and uh, and that pan is traditionally in the South, a cast iron skillet. Um, and I mean, you can make a cornbread without one, um, but a cast iron skillet is a great vehicle because you can you can preheat it in the oven um, and or uh, uh, melt your fat in it um, on the stovetop. And so then it's a uh, it's it's nice and hot when you pour your batter in, um, and that helps get a get a good crust started. Yeah, this is where I get a lot of judgment because I never use a cast iron skillet to do this. <laughs> Apparently, that's like not a pone of cornbread, and that's what I should be making. Oh, like, well. I raised my hands in defeat. And that's between you and your cornbread god, Annie Reese. I can't. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> 
It's, I think it says something about me that every time, like, the issue of some type of God comes up, I'm immediately like, oh, no, no. <laughs> no, oh, dear. No. <laughs> oh, heck. <laughs> <laughs> Judgment will be fierce and swift. <laughs> uh, and, and or, again, we just watch too much Supernatural. Who knows? Who knows? It could be that. Yeah. I think D&D plays oh, a role as well. Yeah. Hey, yeah. plays a role. See that pun. Look at that. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, mm. cornbread. Um, the result, the result of all of this, you know, really depends on what you did. Um, you can make a cornbread that's a couple inches tall and fluffy and tender and sweet like a muffin, almost more like a cake than a bread. You can make a cornbread that's less than an inch thick and crumbly and a little bit coarse and like salty and savory, um, almost more like a flatbread than a than a bread bread. Um, both probably have a nice chewy crust, I will say. And you can make something anywhere in between. All are valid. You are valid. Thank you, Lauren. You're welcome. That's what I needed to hear. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, Lauren and I were talking before we got started and before I really derailed everything with my traumatic story about my rabbit as a kid. (laughs) Um, (laughs) There's so many, like, ways we could have gone, so many ways cornbread is used and has been used as an ingredient in different dishes, but... Some things I did want to mention is the crumble-ins, which I'd never heard of, uh, and cornbread dressing, yes, which we're going to touch on a little bit later, but these could be whole other episodes. Oh, oh, yes. Um, uh, and probably will be at some point in the future. There were, yeah, there were so many different directions that I wanted to go down. Um, I, uh, yeah, I was just saying to Annie before we started, like, I could have just kept reading about this, like, kind of forever. Um, mm-hmm. I really want to do a horrifying complicated episode about the industrialization of corn now. Yes. Um, but, uh... I, yeah. I've been wanting to do that for a while. Right? that's how you know we're food podcast <laughs> nerds. <laughs> well, what are you really excited about right now? The industrialization of corn? <laughs> <laughs> Why aren't you? <laughs> Weird. <laughs> yeah. Well, <clears throat> what yep. about the nutrition? Uh, again, it depends on how you make it. Uh, and, you know, bread in general is not like a health food. Um, but uh, and, and like, I don't know, like like running, running the numbers, cornbread tends to have a little bit more fat than most wheat breads probably do. But those also depend on how you make them. Um, uh, it's food. Eat it. Eat it. It's a good it's a good thing. It helps fill you up. Um, to help keep you going, eat a vegetable. <laughs> eat a vegetable. And probably some protein. And some protein. In the words of the genius of our time, Weird Al Yankovic, just eat it. <laughs> just eat it. <laughs> if you want to. If we'll, you want to, we'll yeah. Put that ad on there. Yeah, or don't. <laughs> eat what you yeah. like. <laughs> um, Numbers-wise, we don't really have much. I, I will say there have been a lot of books written about cornbread. Yeah, especially recently. Um, yeah. I, and I and I love this. I love um, that this uh, this entire cultural phenomenon is is really being dissected and, and given the weight that 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 it deserves. Yeah, uh, and it it moves a lot of people. Like a, a, several things I read were really poetic, and I was like, oh, cornbread. Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, and it's long-inspired strong opinions and thoughtful prose. 
Mark Twain wrote in his autobiography, the North thinks it knows how to make cornbread, but this is gross superstition. (laughs) (laughs) Rebecca Powers wrote in Abuse for the Washington Post, in the Americas, cornmeal may be the most indigenous of ingredients, spiraling across regions and among ethnicities and races like a genetic double helix. Wow. I know. I love that. Oh, that is beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. oh, the, the the most the most poetic one that I read was um, that you know you should you should serve cornbread either piping hot or completely cool because quote tepid cornbread is the penance of poor planning. <laughs> yeah, that was from um, the Bitter Southerner from um, an article by Sherry Castle. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Poor planning. Heaven forbid. <laughs> uh, well, we have so much history for you. Oh, we do. Um, but first, we've got a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at San Diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. Just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So... Cornbread's history in North America goes back thousands of years to indigenous peoples mixing ground-up maize with salt and water, sometimes with fat, and frequently flattened, they uh, would flatten this mixture into cakes that were very filling, if not a bit bland. Um, One of America's most valuable native crops, corn was very prized and used to make a whole host of things, from bread to alcoholic beverages and 
all kinds of stuff in between. Yeah, yeah. Um, And it was also taken note of by the European explorers and colonizers who started coming over um, around the the 14 and 1500s, and some of whom, um, uh, the Portuguese specifically, brought corn from the Americas over to Africa. And so cornmeal was thus incorporated into cuisines in various cultures around the continent there. Um, And it is the the base of, just for example, um, the the porridge side dish Gali. So stuff like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, When European colonists arrived to the Americas, they adapted the cornbread recipe that was already there to fit their culinary preferences in a way to make it feel more like home. And these early 17th century recipes were simple, um, tailored to what was available, and relying largely on butter and eggs for flavor. To make a longer-lasting cornbread, cooks started adding yeast and wheat in the 1800s. If they could afford them, um, both were pretty expensive. The chemical leavener potash was sometimes used instead to give cornbread lift. Um, and this is where the addition of buttermilk would have come in, not just for its flavor, but also because um, that the acid in buttermilk reacts with uh, potash, as it does in more modern uh, uh, baking soda, to provide lift. And so, yeah, e- either way, um, this was the start of a liftier cornbreads, um, including flatbread like uh, Johnny Cakes and uh, more muffin-like corn pones. Mm-hmm. Uh, this corn pone was often cooked in either a Dutch oven or a greased iron skillet with a lid placed right over hot coals. To make sure the bread heated evenly, the lid was also covered with embers. Mm-hmm. Yes. And of note, at the time, corn referred to all types of grains, um, and maize referred specifically to corn. Yeah. If you're ever looking into the history of this for yourself, then that's a really confusing (laughs) thing until you get it firmly into your head. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Um, Also (laughs) of note, um, the cornmeal that was being used at the time was probably mainly white cornmeal, um, a little bit sweeter, more naturally fluffy. This will come back later on. Ah, yes. Um, After comparing several types of cornbread in Virginia, a correspondent from the Times wrote in 1892, it will be observed that none of them is sugar used. There are cornmeal puddings served with sweet sauces, but no Southern cook would risk the spoiling of her cornbreads by sweetening them. Ooh, the beginning of the sugar debate. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So so part of the reason that sugar would not have been used in cornbread itself was because sugar was dang expensive at the time. Um, you know, it it might have been a tableside seasoning, like if you were fortunate enough to be able to afford it, but but only the wealthy would have been able to afford to bake sweet things with any regularity. Um, And cornbread was a sustenance food, you know, like you would save that sugar if you had it for a special occasion baked good, um, which, to be fair, could include um, fancy celebration cornbreads. (laughs) Fancy celebration cornbread, ooh. It was apparently a thing. Oh, well, I can understand. Hmm. Um, From the beginning, colonists arriving to the South ate primarily cornbread over other bread products. And this was the norm until the 20th century, which is also when wheat flour and sugar started showing up more commonly in recipes for those that, yes, could afford it. Um, This was also in part because corn grew well in the South while wheat and rye flourished in the North. Only rich people in the South ate uh, something other than cornbread on a regular basis when it came to bread products. For most Southerners, wheat biscuits were for special occasions. Special Mm -hmm. occasion wheat biscuits. Yeah. (laughs) Um, A lot of these recipes weren't recorded, but instead passed from mothers to daughters, a a prized family secret. 
In an 1853 New York Times article detailing Texas, the author wrote, In the interior of the country, cornbread forms the staple article of the diet, anything composed of wheat flour being about as scarce as ice cream in Sahara. (laughs) Or Sahara, however you prefer. (laughs) Because corn grew easily and in less than ideal conditions, particularly in the South, it was a staple for the poor and enslaved people. In his 2018 book, The Cooking Gene, Michael Twitty wrote that cornbread mashed up with pot liquor is, quote, the oldest baby food known to Black people in America going back to the days of slavery. Yeah, um, some enslaved peoples would have been familiar with corn and cornmeal from their culinary traditions in Africa. And probably for the white upper class, and possibly for the, for the white lower classes as well, Southern cornbread traditions grew out of what enslaved people were doing in their kitchens and then passing along through their communities as they cooked in wealthy white households um, and then lower class white people saw what those households were doing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And speaking of those uh, wealthy households, I guess, according to Vice, a Victorian-era Southern lady or ladies uh, changed the name of stuffing to dressing when it comes to that product (laughs) due to uh, the English slang meaning of stuffed. Oh. Um, Yeah. (laughs) A future episode, and wow, it was a doozy. That was another one where I was reading about it like, what? Stop it. Can't go down this rabbit hole today. (laughs) Oof. Yeah, yeah. I think we call it dressing in my house. No. I I think we interchange. I pretty exclusively. Yeah, yeah. I pretty exclusively call it stuffing, even though I would never dare put a bread product into a bird and then cook the bird. Right. I'm not doing that part of it, but... Uh, yeah, we do. I think we do call it stuffing more. I think we switch. But that's very, very <laughs> funny. If that's true, that's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> During the 19th century, most farmers got cornmeal for their families by toll milling. Uh, so they'd go to their local mills with their own corn to get it ground, and they'd pay the miller with some of the resulting cornmeal. Around the beginning of the 20th century, traditional stone mills were slowly replaced by mills that used these large steel cylinders to roll things out. And these were more efficient when it came to removing the corn kernel and germ, which was really good for shell stability, but not so great for flavor. Mm -hmm. The texture of the meal was also more homogenized, which for cornbread was not necessarily a good thing. That's not really what you were going for a lot of the time. Um, necessitating wheat flour to get that same rise. The sugar was also added as a result of this, or at least it started to be added more commonly to make up for lost flavor. Um, A change in the type of corn that was being milled had something to do with this too. And um, some people used molasses in sugar's place. Yeah, yeah. uh, Molasses would have been a more common sweetener in general in like less than wealthy households. Um, But yeah, yeah, that that, that switch in corn. um, uh, So, okay, these these hybrid yellow types of corn that were higher yielding, um, like cheaper to grow, began replacing white corn for industrially made cornmeal after the Civil War. And um, by like the 1960s, some of the old varieties were nearly extinct. Yeah, yeah. Um, And this debate around sugar, which I uh, didn't know was such a huge deal. I did know that there were very strong opinions about a lot of things with cornbread. But Mm -hmm. the sugar thing 
was one I wasn't very familiar with, but it is in like the top two, like Google search page results. It's like sugar, 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 yeah. add sugar, don't add sugar. <laughs> I was like, what is this? Yeah, yeah. So that the debate around that and white versus yellow cornmeal does often ignore questions of class and race. So Michael Twitty wrote about this too. Quote, it's a lot deeper than it appears. It's actually a gauge of who gets to call what Southern, Southern. So often, what is Southern, how is Southern, why is Southern, has been determined by Southern white people. It's a part of the larger discussion of whether or not you see Southern culture from the perspective of the big house or the slave quarters. We're still having this argument 100 years later, but we're using different vehicles to have it, including cornbread. Yeah, Uh yeah, we'll 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 keep we'll keep getting into that, it, it, and it does it does flow through the the rest of this timeline. Um, so um, so so sweetened yellow cornbread um, is sometimes considered a, a northern thing, um, and it might have caught on in the north, partially because yellow cornmeal was what was available there. Um, but partially because of the Great Migration of the early 1900s, in which many Black Americans from the South moved northward uh, looking for new opportunities, um, bringing their culinary traditions with them. The Times had more to say about cornbread in 1937 <laughs> with an article claiming, Cornbread in Kentucky is made with white, coarsely ground cornmeal. Never, never are sugar and wheat flour used in cornbread. Water-ground cornmeal and water-ground whole wheat flour have still a market in Kentucky and are still used with delight. <laughs> and oh, and this is where it gets even more complicated because, okay, uh, white cornmeal is a local product in Kentucky. Um, you know, wheat flour and sugar and yellow cornmeal, for that matter, would have been expensive. Um, but working-class people could have grown their own white corn. So... Although kind of traditionally white unsweetened cornbread might have been an upper class thing, there are these whole pockets of the South for whom it's the opposite. Uh, and huh, it's really confounding, and I and I adore this. Um, uh, <laughs> I, I think I think it's just a just a really interesting and good example of um, of how race and class intersect and how the South is not a monolith. You know, like the South is this entire mm -hmm. broadband of, of, of different cultures um, that all have their own traditions and they're all interrelated in really confusing ways. Um, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, meanwhile, uh, Jiffy debuted their cornbread uh, or corn muffin mix in 1950. It includes yellow cornmeal and sugar. Um, and today... Flash forward to the present. Jiffy corn muffin mix is responsible for 91% of the corn muffin mix sold in the United States. Um, Dang. <laughs> making it the second most sold dry grocery product behind chicken ramen. What? Like it's wow. like it's ahead of Kraft macaroni and cheese. What? Yeah. Um, the next most popular corn muffin mix after that uh, by Martha White has only 1% of the U.S. market. Wow. Jiffy's got a real, real hold on this. They do. It's fascinating. It <sighs> is. That shocks me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it's, you know, um, it, it's, it's used, again, these pockets of, of Southern culture and what is Southern and, and kind of like going into the difference between Southern culture and soul food or, or Southern food and soul food because frequently... 
the the soul food version of cornbread is going to be the sweeter one, even though it's southern. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I have I have a lot to think about now. I'm pretty sure. I mean, that's all I've ever made um, <laughs> from a cornbread. Uh huh. Yeah. Dressing. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Now I really want to track down like silly, expensive white cornmeal and try making cornbread out of that. I've only ever used yellow, anyway. Mm hmm. Uh, in 1952, Dorothy Robinson wrote for the Richmond Times, Cooks who paid attention knew there was a difference. A very different product from the yellow cornmeal of the North is this white water ground meal of the South. The two are not interchangeable in recipes. Most standard cookbooks, with the exception of a comparative few devoted to Southern cooking, have concerned themselves with yellow cornmeal recipes as if they did not know any other kind! Exclamation point. Uh, <laughs> they do not even distinguish between the two. They simply say, naively, a cup of cornmeal when listing ingredients in a recipe. <laughs> Ooh. And in 1950, someone wrote into the Times-Picayune in New Orleans, um, Who's got coarse grits? The only grits we can get is very fine and no better than mush. In short, I'm advertising for some grocer or other individual selling coarse grits to drop me a line. <laughs> uh, wow. This is wonderful. I know, I know. I love it. Uh, skipping way ahead. In 2018, Sarah Vientera wrote a piece called Here's Why Sean Brock is Willing to Break International Laws for Cornbread. Uh, I remember that when that article came out and I put cornbread on our list because I was like, what? Uh-huh. <laughs> um, uh-huh. Yeah, and it's all about Brock's journey to resurrect a variety of corn known as Jimmy Red because as you were saying, a lot of those corn varieties that we used to use uh, are either went extinct or very little people left growing them. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, yeah, with uh, with mass mass farming practices, big ag and all that. Hoof. Um, <laughs> Oof, indeed. Uh, so many, this has opened so many other paths for us to follow at a later date. Yes, yes. Oh, and I and I look forward to them deeply um, because, uh, yeah, there, there are so many cornmeal-related dishes that, um, mm-hmm. that are, that, that, that I'm unfamiliar with, um, that I would like to become familiar with, uh, you know, both research-wise and, like, with my stomach. Um. <laughs> That's one of the nicest ways of saying you're going to eat something I've ever heard. I would like to become familiar with that cornbread. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I just, I just want to, I, I, I just want to eat you cornmeal. <laughs> Lots of different ways. <laughs> Well, here's hoping 2021 uh, opens that for you. <laughs> yes, yes. Fingers crossed that I'll get get my get myself together and do more cooking, or be able to go someplace, any place, and have someone cook something for me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, and you can send those thoughts to us. And speaking of, we do have some lister mail. Yes, we do. But first, we've got one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. 
So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Today, I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with listener mail. Cast iron skillet method that I never do, but you're bringing it out of the oven. <laughs> Our connection is really interesting today, listeners. So that was, uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, yeah, there's a couple places where I, I'm just taking it on faith that that Annie hasn't gone <laughs> wildly off outline. <laughs> That's very risky of you. That is a roll of the dice, in fact. But <laughs> I think it worked out. <laughs> Producer Andrew can take care of it in post. <laughs> he is a magician. Um, so you have a letter from Andrew, the Reese's guy. Yes. Uh, who we've mentioned before. Um, he wrote, hopefully once we defeat this pandemic and are all allowed to have social lives again, I would love nothing more than to meet you both and share our Reese's and talk about everything huh. from Reese's to Marvel and everything else under our shared nerdy passions. On that note... I am curious what are each of your favorite Reese's products. To most of my followers' surprise, the regular Reese's cup is not my favorite Reese's product. In fact, it's not even in my top five. Ah. For me, I know, in no particular order, it's Reese's Fast Break, any white chocolate white cream Reese's, Reese's Covered Pretzels, Reese's Ice Cream, Egg-Shaped Reese's. Wow. Okay. If the Hershey Company ever brings back the inside-out Reese's, where the peanut butter is on the outside and chocolate is on the inside, I'm sure that will infiltrate my top five. 
Also, I'm unsure if you both were aware, but I have recently discovered peanut butter whiskey. There are a few different brands like Screwball, PB&W, and Sheepdog who have sent me bottles to try. Nothing beats having your favorite candy brand send you free candy and your favorite alcohol also being sent for free. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not an avid drinker, but peanut butter whiskey has definitely improved my hot chocolates and eggnogs this winter. Mm. They are also quite delicious on their own. If you're into sweet tasting whiskeys, huh? Ooh, I've been meaning to try those for a while. I feel like I have had one, and I liked it, but it was like just a tiny little tasting. Oh, I sure. need a bigger. I need a bigger sampling to make clearly, my, clearly, uh, yeah. clearly. I um, need it. <laughs> not want need. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I generally do not like sweet tasting whiskeys, but I'm willing to try anything. Um. Or pretty much. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious how that flavor profile goes together. It seems like it would go well. I've definitely had a peanut butter beer that I really liked, and it surprised me. But, it, I mean, it was heavy. And I think you really have to go in knowing what you're getting. Oh, sure. Like you took a surprise sip of that, which I've done. Oh. That's not going to be a happy day. No. But if you're like, oh, this is going to be like a heavy kind of sweeter thing. Yeah. Oh, oh. yeah. Oh. Oh. I don't... <laughs> That's I again. I would try it, but um, but sweet flavors in beers are not what I'm there for. Um, yeah, I generally like my alcohol to be fairly fairly on the dry end. But um, but oh gosh, I I get like like just like Reese's Pieces might be my favorite iteration of Reese's products. Oh yeah. I, I, yeah, I love Reese's Pieces, and I went through a really big Reese's Pieces phase. Like, mm-hmm. that was one of my top candies I would sneak into movie theaters. <laughs> that and the twist and fill. Uh-huh. Um, but I really like, I like Fast Break, too, because it's kind of, a, kind of a combination between Kit Kats, which mm-hmm. is my other favorite, and Reese's. And then I like a, I like a good, like, big cup. Not, not the big, big cup, but like... <laughs> the medium big cup. You know what cup. I mean? The yeah. medium big cup. <laughs> Like, uh-huh. not the minis, but that, the, yeah. Oh, for Christmas, my older brother, <laughs> he loves Reese's. Uh-huh. And my mom, so we were trying to guess what this gift was because it was this huge package. But it was thin. It was, like, maybe the size of my hand across, but okay. really long. Oh. And he opened it up, and it was, like, 18 humongous Reese's. <laughs> Wow, that is... It was awesome. That's delightful. <laughs> it was awesome. My little brother got one for Kit Kats as well, so that, that was really fun. Ooh. Those were good gifts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got basically, like, nothing but snacks this Christmas. Like, that was... <laughs> everyone just, like... It's it's like they know me. Like, they were just like, oh, Lauren needs more snacks. Like, that... <laughs> mm-hmm. Delightful. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, um, Danielle wrote, Hey, ladies, just got around to listening to your condensed Campbell's soup episode. I'm a New Jersey native, so Campbell's soup is a point of pride for me. I was listening during my lunch, and I nearly jumped out of my seat when I heard you mention tomato soup in a spiced cake. My grandmother, who passed in July, oh, I'm sorry, um, uh, made tomato soup cake all the time. It's legendary in my family. If you mention it in the presence of any of her 16 grandkids, we all say... Oh my God, her tomato soup cake is my favorite. With a chocolatey cream cheese frosting. My grandmother was a phenomenal cook and baker. She loved to show me how to make everything as I lived with her for 25 years, and she taught me everything I know. Anyway, would love to suggest a divisive topic of pork roll 
or Taylor Ham. 100% Jersey girl on full display here. <laughs> well, I definitely look forward to researching that because I have no idea what either of those things are. Yeah, me neither. I love a good uh, divisive topic. As, yes. as nervous as they make us, I love them. <laughs> um, and I love this tomato soup and a spice cake with chocolate frosting. Right, chocolate, to get chocolate an idea. cream cheese frosting. I'm still, yeah. I'm still a little confused. I'm, I'm picturing that it's something like a like a carrot cake or maybe like a gingerbread cake. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, <sighs> but I'm just, I'm just not sure. I mean, that was a recipe that I ran across during my reading for this episode. Was a gingerbread cornbread, and I was like, huh. Wow. Huh. Yeah, I got. I don't know how to envision that one either. <laughs> yeah. Although I was also reading about um uh kush kush or kush kush. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Um uh, uh, a corn more like a corn pudding kind of situation out of um like New Orleans, that area, uh that that does have uh more spices involved. So I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. Well, again, willing to try. Pretty much anything. Exactly. Uh, I mean, if 16 grandkids like this tomato soup <laughs> in a spice cake, then, I mean, that's that's pretty good right there. <laughs> right? Yeah, if you can get all the grandkids to agree, that's quality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, thanks to both of those listeners for writing in. If you would like to write to us, we would love to hear from you. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We are also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. All three places, our handle is at SaverPod, and we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thank you, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.